Welcome to the Ottawa Business Journal's live broadcast of how to improve your virtual meetings. I'm Michael Curran from the Ottawa Business Journal. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've covered some great webinar topics over the past several weeks and months, but this is one I think we're all going to relate late to. Uh, over the past several months, we've been confined to our homes and most of the interaction with our team and our clients has been through virtual meetings. And sometimes those virtual meetings are fine. They go fine. Uh, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're a little bit of a disaster. Uh, think about audio uh, breakups on calls, uh, background noise, uh, video call participants that are backlit by windows and hard to see. Uh, here's the thing. Virtual meetings are here to stay, even when we return to the office. And too many professionals today are still making common mistakes. And those mistakes are having an impact in terms of the communications with staff and clients. Uh, they can lead to unprofessional personal branding. And all of that contributes to this new phrase we use, Zoom fatigue. So that's what we're exploring here today. And we've got a, a great expert uh, lined up for you. Uh, before I introduce him, though, I just want to uh, deal with a few housekeeping notes. Uh, just a reminder that we want to make this an interactive session. You can use the YouTube chat function on the right of your screen to ask questions. Those questions will be monitored by my colleague at the Ottawa Business Journal, Peter Cavessi. He'll pose those questions to today's expert at the end of the broadcast in about 25 minutes. Peter Cavessi will also be checking in with some poll result uh, poll results from advanced questions we were asking. So let's get down to uh, introducing our guest. I find this to be a really interesting bio tidbit. Uh, our guest today started down the path of being an audiovisual specialist when he attended um, a TV and broadcast program at Loyalist College almost 40 years ago. And ever since then, he's been at the forefront of audiovisual communications uh, as it evolves and uh, new innovations come online. For the past 18 years, he has led Ottawa-based interactive audiovisual. Let's check out this short video about that company. Interactive audiovisual makes business communication easy and productive by providing turnkey video conferencing solutions, installation, and training, helping you upgrade your virtual meeting experience. So that is Interactive Audiovisual, and now let's meet its leader. Welcome, Ian Smith. Hi, how are you? There he is. Yeah. How are you doing today? Very good. Uh, it's beautiful and sunny, and people are talking about golfing. <laughs> You've got a golf set over your left. You got a Darth Vader golf. Is that a golf thing going on? I got Darth Vader. That's no, more of a Christmas thing. And okay. uh, Master Yoda on the other side. Well, may the force be with you. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, Ian, uh, we, have, uh, we have some good topics we're going to explore in depth, but I want to keep things a little bit high level uh, as we kick things off. W what is happening in your world of audiovisual since the pandemic took hold? Well, the pandemic had a... a pretty big impact. Um, people in our industry have been using a lot of these uh, collaboration tools for quite a long time um, in their boardrooms, on their desktops, etc. However, once the pandemic hit, it really accelerated the use of collaboration tools like Zoom, like my, uh, Microsoft Teams, and so on. So that acceleration was exceptionally fast. A lot of people got started just to get started. Um, 
good enough maybe, but uh, as we're doing more and more and more of this, we're starting to realize there's a lot more to it. Um, and the uh, this massive acceleration, people are not catching up and making the experience as positive as it can be. I, I love that point. You know, we all embraced makeshift solutions, uh, but now we're a year into this, 13 months. So, yeah. you know, we, and we it gotta, isn't going away. It yeah, we got to, we got to, we have to reexamine this stuff. So, just before again, we start off and get into the weeds on this, help us understand the difference between, you know, calling your IT department uh, or even clicking Amazon to solve an audiovisual issue versus dealing with an audiovisual professional. Well, a company like Interactive, we tend to look at, more of the holistic situation. And that can include the environment the people are in, the technology that they may use, or maybe the better choices that they should take, and also the workflow, how the people are using the solution. And that's probably the single most important part. So you take all of those things, the environment, the technology, and the workflow. And then once we've analyzed that, we apply industry standards things that help with content creation and and, uh, sharing, uh, the audio, the acoustics of the environment, and all these different standards that our industry has been using for years, and we apply it to the solution. That holistic view is what makes us different. We're not just about network connectivity. Good, good. Uh, so we won't call you when my webcam doesn't work. That's not you. That's IT. <laughs> we'll we'll call you for the getting the best web webcam and backdrop and audio solution yep. and all that type of stuff. Yep. So Ian, just hang on here for a second. I'm going to get back to you on topic number one, but let's bring uh, today's live viewers up to speed on our agenda. And as usual, we we're wrapping this in three tidy topics. Our first topic is Zoom fatigue is real. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, Ian's going to tell you about it in just a second. Topic number two is get your technology right. And topic number three will be make your home a studio. And of course, we're going to end off with a Q&A from today's live viewers. So uh, let's go, Ian. Let's let's dig right into this. So this, this phrase that all of us uh, are uttering these days, Zoom fatigue, I've experienced it. You know, it's a lack of concentration. It's a lack of focus. So Again, I'm going to ask you to put your psychologist uh, hat on and say, why are Zoom calls so tiring? For a lot of reasons, but I think I like to break it down to um, one particular thing. Number one, we're humans. And as we evolved over millennia, our brain learned to take all our different senses and use those for sensing different things in all of our interactions. We have multiple senses, but once uh, you take all of that, the brain still expends energy. Once you get into a situation like a Zoom call or a Teams call, whatever you want to call it, um, some of those senses aren't available. So your brain automatically, it's an autonomic function, it automatically starts to work with the other senses and heighten them as much as humanly possible, but that expends mental energy. And over time, that extra mental energy is draining. And over longer periods of time, not only is it draining, but it can also lead to mental health issues, which have been reported massive increases in that. And then eventually it could even lead to burnout. Yeah. You know, it it reminds me of that phrase, Ian, by the way, we've always heard that so much of communication is nonverbal, right? So if you and I were sitting... Uh, in the same room together, I'm picking up on these micro expressions, as you said, your tone of voice, I'm picking up on all these little things. And that's very difficult to do over video. And it's exhausting us. And it's hard. 
Yep. And everything you can do to help those will reduce or mitigate some of the fatigue. So we're going to stay a bit non-technical again, and uh, this this is your uh, psychology or coaching hat maybe again. So how can people set themselves up for success uh, when doing video uh, meetings, virtual meetings, and that type of stuff in terms of like holding their concentration and focusing? What what can they do, Ian? I, I think the first one, and I've, I do it myself, one of the things that you want to do is to eliminate or re restrict the number of distractions that you can have. Turn off your cell phone close programs that are in the background that are going to give you notifications and pop up and, and distract you. Um, the uh, microphone, making sure it's as close to the talker's mouth as humanly possible. Close the door to your boardroom. Um, the, uh, these are all things that together help. The other is um, you want to sometimes close the window shades if, if they're there so you're not seeing people walking by your door, your office, those kinds of things. So anything that might detract your attention from what's going on, you want to try and limit those capabilities, those situations. And it occurs to me, Ian, if we're in a home setting, as I am, you know, you might hear the uh, dishwasher, you might hear the yep. washing machine buzz, you might hear the dog barking. And, uh, and again, all of Absolutely. those are things we don't hear in a normal office setting. So it's, you know, we're trying to focus on the virtual meeting, but our attention is being pulled in all these different ways. Exactly. So let's check in, uh, Ian, with my colleague from the Ottawa Business Journal. Welcome, uh, Peter Cavesi. Hey, Peter. Hey, Mike. Hi, Ian. Hello. So as uh, as usual, Peter, you did a bit of advanced polling of today's live participants. Tell us about the question and what today's uh, participants said about that. So for our first poll question, we want to sort of break down and identify what are some of the specific pain points that people are having uh, when it comes to, uh, to to video calls. You know, I think we've all experienced uh, that the most common answer that uh, that internet lag and uh, and choppy video. Uh, but Ian, I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on the on the the, the second most popular response: the difficulty building a connection with with the other person. Uh, you know, I think um, you know. Think about it in a positive sense. We've all had that great feeling of when you know we're in person meeting someone and we just click, right? We just build that connection. Why is it so much more challenging to do that uh, in a in a virtual world? And do you have any strategies or tips for uh, for again just making that connection with uh, with the person on the other end of the call? Well, I think there's a couple of different things, and it comes back to what I was talking about earlier: is that we as humans have evolved to be able to have our brain looks and listens smells, touch, all that, uses all these senses when we're in person face-to-face. -face. And we get all those micro expressions, all of that. It leads to uh, trust. It leads to a rapport, all of those things. Technology is in between those, and it kind of makes it a little harder to get there. Um, so the brain now has to focus more on trying to um, get the information that they need. So the technology that you use if you use it well, will help to build more of that information and get those auditory and visual cues into your brain and help you get that rapport with the individuals that you may be talking to. That's a great way of thinking about uh, the, uh, the the technology and the role that it plays in these these calls. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to hear more uh, about your your take on technology in just a moment. Um, but before we get there, I just want to remind um, our our audience that we are using the chat window just below the uh, the video on YouTube. So please uh, pose the questions that you have about holding virtual meetings uh, in that Q and A box. Uh, share your thoughts, share your experiences, because uh, we'll be posing some of those questions uh, to Ian at the end of the uh, the webinar. So Mike, back over to you. 
Thanks, Peter. And we'll check back uh, at the end of topic number two with you on another uh, poll that we took. So, Ian, let's get into it. We just referenced technology and and what do you know? We're going to talk about it. So, <laughs> you know, when, when I think of the pandemic, right, it was sudden. It was unexpected, uh, Ian. So we all did, as referenced before, we all found makeshift solutions for virtual meetings. Um, but now, as, as we said, the, the, we're 13 months into this. We need to reconsider what we're doing to have better virtual meetings. So, so Ian, I wanted to start off by asking you, all of our computers or most of our computers, at least if they're laptops, have built-in cameras, built-in microphones, built-in speakers. So uh, where do we start with evaluating uh, your current equipment? Give us some advice on that, Ian. Well, typically the built-in microphones, built-in cameras and speakers are really designed for very generic applications, very generic, uh, occasional use kind of things. Some laptops, the mic, the camera is at the top of the, the laptop and others it's at the bottom. So the other thing is that based on price, they're trying to, you know, the manufacturer is trying to get inexpensive stuff into that computer. The other is that the software to manipulate it, to adjust it is not always optimized. So really you want to think about peripheral devices, webcams, uh, external microphones, if you can, I know that you're using one, and then speakers, all of which can work with the software properly to ensure that the uh, audio experience is stable and that the echo cancellation is uh, activated and, and working well. And that way you can balance your audio and your microphone levels uh, the right way and still get a stable communication. Audio hey. is crucial, so... Yeah. Hey, there's the segue. So I, I you know, I want to talk about built-in <laughs> microphones and and dig it a little bit more into this why they might not uh, be good enough. Again, so if you've got a laptop uh, five years old, you know, the laptop is built by the way to do like a hundred different things, right? Right. And one right. of them uh, is is a microphone. So tell us why that's yeah. not good enough. Well, it's not good enough for a variety of reasons. But number one, number one, they're very general device, and they tend to pick up sound from everywhere. Um, trying to focus your brain again is try and get a microphone as close to the to talker's mouth as humanly possible. Um, I have a, a head-worn um, headphone and, and mic with a boom arm. You're using a dedicated microphone that's brought close to your mouth. These help to uh, reduce the external noises from keyboards, from people walking in a hallway beside you, whatever the case might be. So getting that microphone close to the talker's mouth makes a huge difference. And it gets rid of extraneous noises, even traffic maybe going by your window. Um, so that's, that's really crucial. And by doing that, your brain is able to hear more clearly what is uh, being said, how the voice is going, and then it, it doesn't get as fatigued over time. Yeah. You know, the one thing about audio, and it's counterintuitive because we think we're having a virtual <laughs> meeting. So we think, oh, it's visual. It's a virtual meeting. We both have a webcam. But you know what? As, as you know, Peter, audio is the basis of that meeting. It's not video. We started with telephones. <laughs> yes. Alexander Graham Bell. Yeah. But it's, it is fundamental. You can have a meeting without video, but you try and do it without audio, not going to happen yeah. well. Yeah. It, yep. It's such a good point. And it, again, it's counterintuitive. People don't think about it, but it starts with audio. But let's talk about video because, you know, this is a visual <laughs> me medium. So um, let's talk about webcams a minute. You know, what should people th be thinking about when it comes to a webcam? Well, number one is, well, there's a variety of things, but one of the things that's important is how 
how tight of a shot do you want your camera to pick up? If you're working from home, you may not want all of your background visible or as obvious as, as possible. Um, you can have very wide angle cameras and they show everything and anything, including the dog or the cat jumping up on a couch behind you, whatever. So you want to think about what is it actually going to uh, need to pick up. And in most cases, a very narrow field of view is a good camera because it really focuses the attention on the face or the head of the person talking. And by doing that, again, your brain reduces the amount of stress because it's not looking at the cat walking by and then distracting you. And these are very real things. I see them in meetings all the time. So by working on a camera that has the right uh, perspective or field of vision is a big part of it. Wide field of visions, high numbers like 120 degrees is going to show everything in your room. Now, if we're in a small meeting room and you've got three people around a table socially distanced, that might make sense. But if it's your home laptop and you're just in a very narrow area, try and get a camera that has a very narrow field of vision. That's those are those are great points. Thanks, uh, thanks for that, Ian. So let, let's bring Peter Cavesi back on screen uh, for our second uh, survey question. Uh, Peter, what was that question, and what did uh, folks have to say about it? So our second uh, poll question really is, is going to set up our third topic, uh, all about uh, room setups. So, of course, you know, as, as you alluded at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, all of us uh, grabbed what we could from our offices and uh, and uh, <laughs> staked out uh, whatever space we could find in our homes to uh, to uh, get back to work. Um, but uh, what uh, what our poll results uh, suge uh, suggested is that a lot of a lot of people have been able to carve out a dedicated workspace in their home to uh, to uh, to do their work. Ian, I'm I'm curious. Since the start of uh, the the pandemic, and in your experience, how have people um, made adjustments to uh, or rethought their uh, their their home office? How has that changed? Well, I think actually dedicating a space is the number one. Um, the other thing is trying to optimize uh, is something that people are starting to do more now. And we talked about cameras, so a good example of. Um, trying to improve that experience is trying to get the camera at your eye height so that you look like you're looking at each other. When, when we're in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, I'm looking at your face and eyes and you're looking at mine. And by having a dedicated space in your home and a proper peripheral camera, that helps improve that experience and make it more natural. That's a really good uh, good takeaway point. I know we're going to talk more about uh, home office uh, setups in just a moment, but uh, but before we do that, just a reminder uh, to our audience: please uh, share your comments, your uh, your your questions for Ian in the chat window below the uh, the video. We'll be uh, posing uh, those to Ian at the end of the uh, the webinar. So, Mike, back over to you. Uh, thanks, Peter. And and again, we'll be checking in with kind of our live attendees questions in about five minutes or so. So it's topic number three. And as uh, as promised, it's room setup. Um, so we talked about, Ian, uh, Zoom fatigue. We mm. talked about getting the right technology. And now it's a little bit about making your home office a, a home studio, if I can put it that way. Uh, <laughs> And let's let's start off with acoustics again, but from a different perspective, not microphones, but you know the audio quality of where we're at, the place where we're at. T tell us about acoustics, uh, Ian. We spoke early on about the environment itself, and this is really important. Is a lot of the rooms that people are using at home were not intended for being a studio. So, depending on how what type of microphone you have, 
and how the room is set up, you could end up sounding like you're in a very large space or um, that it, you may sound like you're in the bottom of the barrel, which uh, as we use in audio, um, those things, again, push, make the brain work a little harder to understand to, for, for the communication to be intelligible. So sometimes you want to be able to put in acoustical treatment to reduce noise reflections in the room and to make you sound more natural and make sure that the voice is clearly heard and understood. So sometimes there's sound absorption and that can be anything from proper sound panels that we offer, or even in some cases, some people can put up a tapestry or quilt on a, on a, on a wall. Those things can definitely help uh, improve the acoustics. And again, microphone and microphone placement. Uh, we're going to talk next about lighting. And again, Ian, you, you had a start in TV, and I think you're a bit of a photography guy too. So if, if you have anything to do with the video or photography, you know that the number one thing is lighting. So tell us about what we can do about lighting. You know, I see all these specifications on cameras and how low light they can be, but the truth of the matter is, is all these imaging sensors require light. And generally speaking, a lot of it. So what we've done is we've gone out and, and uh, we provide a particularly good light. Uh, it's called Zelo. And what it does is it makes sure it's dimmable and it's bright enough for the situation. You're trying to it, make sure you can get the face of the talker uh, properly illuminated so that those facial features and grimaces and the micro expressions can actually be seen uh, or seen better than, than uh, you know, a generic uh, webcam might have. Um, the other is that not only the brightness, but the color temperature is also important. The height adjustment and positioning so you can get it so that you don't have a whole lot of extra shadows on your face, that kind of thing. And it also helps for people who have windows behind them when if you don't have a light in front of your face, what happens is you end up being silhouetted. So you barely see the actual facial features and, and expressions. And as a result, it, the communication is, is harder for your brain to understand. You don't always know if the person is understanding and seeing and accepting what you're saying. So by properly illuminating the face and making sure you have color temperature adjust so that the colors, the facial tones, the color of your clothes all comes out proper. That is so true about people that are backlit, by the way. So, mm. you know, you can see someone who's completely in a shadow and you're having a virtual meeting and it goes back to what you're saying, all those nonverbal cues. It's like, I can't see how you're reacting to what I'm saying. Right, exactly. <laughs> Very exactly. frustrating. Okay, mm. we're going to talk about backdrops. You and I are both using one, but I want to show us a nifty trick there, uh, Ian. <laughs> well, you guys really quite like this. So what I have is going on? I have a backdrop behind. You can see part of my office there. Um, and as a result, I can, with a remote control, I can actually bring it up or down and put it in place. Yeah. And now I have branding behind me. So you know what I just noticed there, and it was so obvious, Ian, is that when you raised your backdrop, I started seeing, you know, your bookshelf or what it, whatever it was, your files and that. And immediately I'm like, oh, what's behind Ian? What's behind, yeah, exactly. like, forget about what Ian's saying. I'm curious about what the book is on the shelf. 
Exactly. Again, these comes back to these distractions. You know, the, the other one, and this is maybe not the same for everybody, but one of the things that dist- I find very distracting are what I call the halo effects for virtual backgrounds. People put a piece of software, a graphic, an image, and as their body moves and their head moves, all of a sudden you see these little uh, halos around them moving and people start to go, oh, wait a minute, I could start to see, you know, a couch or I could start to see a TV. And those things distract people, particularly me. So I find backdrops like this one are really, really good. The other type, though, is you can also have pop-up banners uh, that are used even in in regular advertising. These things help with your branding and help to to maintain the focus of what you're looking at and not have other distractions popping up all the time. And those make it uh, harder for your brain to concentrate. Good comments, Ian. Uh, By the way, I am not a cat, Ian. I am not a cat. (laughs) People will get the uh, joke there. Uh, Okay. So uh, speaking with people with backdrops, Peter's got an extra wide one. Peter, you come back on screen now. And uh, we're going to go to our Q&A session. Uh, Peter, you've been watching the uh, YouTube chat. What are people asking Ian about? Um, so for, first, actually, I just want to flag a, a comment that someone uh, made. And Ian, I know you and I have talked about this before. Uh, biggest pet peeve, halo effect. Ian, just, just take a moment. There you go. Tell me about what causes uh, that and how that can be avoided. That's a computer technology. Some ways to avoid it uh, are backdrops like what I have. The other is uh, we can also do these. They're, they're like a projection screen uh, technology, but we can also make them as green screens. And then if you are doing a lot, you talked about turning your home into a studio. If you're doing that, you can have uh, external software, plug your signals into the in, through the software, and now you can put any backdrop you want, but you don't get the halo effect. So there are a variety of ways to do it. And green screening is one. There's a little more computer software that goes with it, but it can function quite well. Pop-ups like you have, Peter, are another. Is they're uh, very simple, very easy, not obtrusive, uh, and uh, relatively inexpensive to get going with. Um, So all of these things are just ways to eliminate those software virtual backdrops. And when that happens, when they're in there, the software on your computer just creates this halo because it's trying to, I call it quasi-key in the information. So it's it's all doing a whole bunch of things at once, but it's just doing it well enough to, to get you by. But I find those halos personally very uh, distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the uh, one of the first questions that uh, that, that popped up uh, was about about lighting, and if uh, if someone is ready to make their that that investment in uh, in a lighting to make sure that their their property uh, uh, properly uh, illuminated, yeah. uh, what advice do you give them as far as selecting a, a particular light? Um, lighting comes in all shapes, uh, shapes, forms, and, and and brands. How should a um, an individual uh, go about selecting the right one for their purposes? Well, let me tell you the story, how I went through. I I bought off different online retailers, all sorts of different types of solutions and tried them. Um, Some of them, they have a suction cup and stick to your your laptop. And then halfway through your conversation, they pop and fall off and so on. So you want to look at, again, the environment, like we talked about at the beginning. Where are you working? How are you working in a physical space? And find something that will sit there stable and won't uh, fall over, won't go away. 
make sure that it has a dimming capability, not just simply on. Otherwise, you could look washed out uh, and your facial color and, and, and uh, clothing colors will, will look silly. Uh, so make sure it's dimmable. Make sure it's height adjustable so you can position it over top of your monitor or beside your monitor uh, so that you get proper uniform illumination across your face. And the other one is color temperature. And this one is not as obvious to some people, but if you're in a room with fluorescent lighting or you're in a room uh, with light from outside coming in, those all have different color temperatures. Um, and you wanna try and get it so that the color temperature is natural, your face tones, look like they normally do the clothing if it's a red or you know whatever color it's coming out the way it's supposed to so these things the height adjustability the the stable mounting uh those kinds of things uh some people use um very uh, adjustable ring lights um, and they kind of go around the camera and the camera sort of comes through the middle those are very good if you can get them in the right position your camera wants to be at eye height so therefore if you put a ring light around that you might be covering up a whole bunch of your uh, monitors so you have to be careful about the physical positioning it comes back to working with the environment that they're in I wonder if I can ask you a question about uh, uh, tips for uh, for individuals who need to be on the move, moving around uh, for, from place to place during their workday. Um, mm -hmm. To take me for an example, at the, at the moment, I'm I'm kind of locked in here, right? I've got my microphone right. attached to my desk. I've got a lighting rig that doesn't move around easier. But uh, it was just last week, I was on a call with someone and he had to pull to the side of the road to take my call and was uh, had his phone up in front of his face with schools closed a lot of people have to vacate their home office uh, at a moment's notice because it's been turned into a uh, a, a virtual classroom uh, for those types of individuals uh, who might need to be moving from from room to room or place to place what advice do you have uh, for, for them to make sure that they're looking and sounding their best buy a whole bunch of different sets and then walk into the space. <laughs> the um, it, That's a tough one. And, and we actually deal with a lot of people who are, and I, I do it myself, is while I'm driving, there's a Zoom call or, or something like that. Um, and those are not optimal at all because you have road noise. Um, your car is not necessarily best built for acoustics and trying to keep the, the, the phone, cell phone in the right position so I can see a face without looking up my nose. Uh, all of these things are, are not optimal. Um, th there is no good answer to that other than to say, if you know you're going to be in room A, B, and C on a regular basis, literally just try and have something that's very portable um, or buy multiple of them and have them in those rooms ready to go when you need them. Great. I think we have uh, time for one more question. Uh, Ian, on this front, I'm going to ask you to, to gaze into your crystal ball. You you, you get the chance to uh, to talk to uh, a lot of manufacturers, equipment uh, suppliers. Um, you talked a lot about a lot of great technology that's on the market today. I'm curious, what's your prediction as far as what's next? Um, as uh, you know, if, if remote work does become the, the norm, as a lot of people are predicting, what is going to be the next wave of technology that's going to uh, elevate our virtual meetings? I think that um, it kind of comes in different types of situations. If you're in the office, because number one, we know that going back to the office is uh, very anxiety producing for a lot of people. And there is likely to be some form of hybrid work from home, work in the office, some amount of time 
throughout the week. And, and I think different companies are going to do it different ways, but it'll be hybrid. Um, so I think that trying to get the user experience to be consistent is what we're going to focus on. And I think that a lot of uh, the tools that we're going to see coming out will be to get started simpler, um, be able to get the meeting going and be a more consistent experience, starting, stopping, sharing, all of these different things, which the different platforms do things a little differently. And I think we'll see some commonality come out of that. Um, that's the, the first part. But I think also connecting more of these components together so that they can be adjusted and optimized is what I think is going to come. And that's mostly in, in software. That's really, really encouraging because if I ever have to spend more time trying to join a meeting than I actually do in the meeting, uh, I think yeah. I'm, I'm going to lose it. So we, We've spent a lot of time for meeting spaces in the office doing touchless meeting spaces, doing voice command to walk in, start my meeting, uh, stop my meeting, those kinds of things, do it through touchless ways is something we've already been doing for the last while. And I think it will try and make that a simpler you know, uh, issue for a long time, starting meetings could take anywhere from five to eight minutes, which was wasted time. So we've been able to bring that down in many cases to as quick as 30 seconds. And it's pretty, pretty reliable. Um, so by doing those kinds of things in the meeting space, and now trying to port it over towards a, a mobile device, I think is part of that migration of what we see coming. And a lot of that will be reliant on software. Just before we go, actually, we did get one last uh, minute question that I'd love to, to pose uh, for uh, for Ian. Again, it's another question about, about lighting. For individuals who wear glasses, sometimes the lighting can create a bit of glare off uh, off their glasses. Are there any strategies or tips you have uh, for uh, for individuals who wear glasses to uh, reduce uh, that, that uh, effect? There, there's actually two, and one of which is to get glasses with a, a coating that will help reduce that. I, I know I did that. The other is, again, it comes back to the height adjustability of your light and the dimmability. And if your light, like ours, uh, the Zillow light that we use and, and, and offer, has a diffuser on it that's uh, positional. So those things together can help reduce it. And again, with dimming, you also want to get it to a certain point where um, you're not over illuminating a face as well. So dimming, um, diffusing, and positioning uh, together can help with that quite a bit. Fantastic. Ian, thank you so much. And uh, Mike, back over to you. Well, Ian, uh, time flies. We're, we're at the end of the show. We, we try to keep these really kind of uh, snappy and, and create a lot of pace. Very illuminating. Get the pun. <laughs> this is very illuminating. Uh, I like your comment, though, about too much light, too. You don't want to be washed out, right? There is right. that. You want to get that natural skin tone. Uh, as we indicated. So Ian, listen, as we wrap up, I'm going to tease some more uh, webinars that, that we're going to yep. do together. We talked a lot about virtual meetings, but of course, as we, uh, God, God willing, come to the end of the pandemic and we have people, <laughs> you know, in the office and we have people remote and maybe even a client in some uh, other country, you know, we're going to need more complex systems, audiovisual systems for our offices, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about in an upcoming uh, session. I think that's a schedule for May 12th, if people want to uh, uh, circle that on their calendar. As we wrap up, though, Ian, how can people contact you? Give us, a, give us your, your credentials and contact info. 
interactiveaudiovisual.com is the website. Um, my phone number is 613-748-9388 and direct extension is 2222. And uh, the uh, email address is there. Feel free to contact me in any way you wish. That's awesome. Thanks for being yeah. such a great resource for Thank local uh, business community, Ian. So we'll Glad bid you, for, we'll bid you uh, adieu. Thanks for being here. We appreciate Thank it. You. And uh, for those of you, as we wrap up, we're going to remind you that you can visit the obj.ca website every day for the local, for the latest in local business news. I highly recommend subscribing to OBJ Today, and that's our weekday email newsletter. It goes out around 4.35 o'clock, depending on the news of the day. That is a full recap of what's happening uh, on weekdays uh, in local business. You can also follow us on social media. Our LinkedIn platform in particular seems to be uh, really popular these days. And since uh, many of you are watching this on YouTube, I do ask that you hit the red subscribe button and the little bell icon, and that's going to tell you when we're uh, when we're live on screen. So uh, as we uh, move to the end of this, I'm going to throw things back to our producer. I'll bid you adieu, and uh, please stay connected with OBJ in whatever way you can. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.